Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you have gotten out and about throughout Winnipeg over the last number of weeks, I'm sure that most of you have quite often come across those old Christmas songs playing on the store radios and on the radio stations as you drive in your car. And most of them, of course, are nothing but pure fluff. Uh, One that comes to my mind is a song called Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Uh, Some of the lyrics are like this. He's making a list, checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Of all the silly Christmas songs out there, Santa Claus is Coming to Town ranks uh, right up there. However, one reason I bring up that particular song is that the singer of that song if I may, he acts as a sort of a herald, a sort of forerunner, as, as we could put it. He's essentially saying, hey everyone, Santa Claus is coming, so you'd better get ready for him. This is important because you don't want to be caught off guard. Yes, I know that's probably the most frivolous example of a forerunner or a, a herald, but it still serves a good picture of what a herald does. He proclaims to people that somebody is coming, proclaims a message on behalf of somebody else. And on the other end of the importance spectrum, we have another forerunner, a herald who appears in the Bible. And that herald or forerunner is John the Baptist, He also served as a forerunner. His job was to prepare God's people for the coming of the Christ. His job was to draw attention to the one who was coming after him to tell the people, get ready, the Lord is coming. He's coming soon. You see, when there's an important event coming up, you want to draw people's attention to it so that they don't miss out, right? And there's not really, there's no more important event in this world than the coming of God's Son and, of course, all that He did to save us. And that's why God raised up John the Baptist, right, to, to draw attention to the coming of Christ John served as a herald or a forerunner of our Savior. And so that brings us to the sermon theme. God raises up the forerunner of our, salva- of our Savior, the prophet John the Baptist. And God did this, first of all, to prepare the way of the Lord, second, to give us knowledge of salvation, and finally, to signal the dawn of a new day. Now, for over nine months... The prophet Zechariah could not speak even one word. He doubted the message of the angel Gabriel that his wife Elizabeth would bear a child. And as discipline for his unbelief, Zechariah was left to mute until his son John was born. But then, then the child was born. And finally... Zechariah, after he, after he wrote down his name is John, his, his tongue was loosed. He was able to speak again. 
And then in verse 67, we read these words. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. He prophesied. There's something very significant about those words. See, this is the first time Scripture describes someone prophesying since the days of Malachi. And that was about 400 years before this event, such a long time ago, such a gap between prophecies. But here the Lord speaks again to his people. And the words that Zechariah, or that God speaks through Zechariah shows that the Lord is up to something big. He says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now, these words are so significant because also they recall earlier prophecies made hundreds of years earlier in Israel's history. <clears throat> For example, in Isaiah 40, verse 3, we hear, A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Then there's Malachi 3, verse 1, The Lord proclaimed through Malachi, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And then Malachi 4, verse 5, testifies, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. See, all three of those prophecies refer to John the Baptist. John is the prophesied prophet. He was prophesied about. See, no other prophet was prophesied about in this way. It's very significant, right? No no other place in the Old Testament do you have the Lord saying, I'm going to send a prophet to you uh, other than our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's very significant. The angel told Zechariah in Luke 1 that his child would go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He would make ready for the Lord a people prepared. John the Baptist would fulfill those Old Testament prophecies. And Christ highlights the importance of John the Baptist in Matthew 11. There he says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And all the law and the prophets prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, Scripture is highlighting the importance of this person, this son of Zechariah. And given these words of Christ as well, you might think that John himself was the Savior to come. So much attention is drawn to him But John himself said, not so, right? I am not the Christ. It's not me. I'm just preparing the way for someone else. You see, John is not so important because of who he was in himself. Rather, his importance is tied to someone else. John was important because of his work, his function, his task given to him by God. He was a forerunner of the Christ. As the Holy Spirit proclaimed through Zechariah, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord 
to prepare his ways. John was sent before the Lord Jesus to prepare God's people for the coming of the Messiah. He acted like that messenger or herald who went before the king. He told the people, the king is coming. Get yourself ready. Prepare yourself for his coming. And John preached this message to all Israel. And so Israel, they had no reason to be unprepared for the coming of the Messiah. They were told ahead of time. And the people who took John's message seriously would get themselves ready. They would prepare themselves. They would be looking for the coming of the King. They would see the fulfillment of God's plan and promises had come upon them. And the angel Gabriel, again, had already told Zechariah one way John would prepare God's people for the coming of the Christ. He said in Luke 1, that John will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people who are prepared. Right? How were these people supposed to get ready for the coming of the Messiah? Well, by preparing their hearts. By turning to the Lord their God. By taking their relationship with God seriously. By listening carefully to the Word of God. By putting it into practice. By making faith and serving the Lord a priority. You know, John the Baptist is often called the Elijah who is to come, and so he is coming in the spirit in the same office and function as Elijah of the Old Testament. And think of what the Old Testament Elijah proclaimed to Israel. He told Israel, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if Yahweh is God, then serve him. Right? Stop being double-minded. Stop giving your allegiance to idols and to the Lord. Give it to the Lord wholeheartedly. John served the same purpose, and so he came in the spirit of Elijah. People of God, get yourself ready. Turn to God with all your heart. And what we must see is that John served this function not only for the people of Israel, but also for us too. Right? The, Holy, the Holy Spirit wrote down His words in Scripture. We have them in front of us. Right? We have them to read and to study. I mean, that means there's no real difference between Israel listening to John the Baptist 2,000 years ago and us sitting here today in Winnipeg. Right? He serves that same function for us. So John's message comes to us by God's power. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. Turn to God. You know, serve Him wholeheartedly. Stop giving your allegiance to idols. 
Turn from sin and disobedience. Move towards righteousness, obedience. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Make your relationship to God a priority in your life. It brings us to our second point. Now, with Zechariah's prophecy here, again, the Lord was showing he was up to big things. Earlier, I quoted three Old Testament prophecies about the coming of John the Baptist. And when he came, it would signal the beginning of God's salvation, right? God would send the prophet Elijah or John the Baptist before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, God's people waited after those Old Testament prophecies. Prophecy in Isaiah 2 and Malachi. They waited hundreds of years for God to act. And, and after those prophecies, especially Malachi, there seemed to be not a peep from the Lord at all. And so they had to wait patiently. They had to wait in faith. But finally now, after so long, we see God coming to fulfill His promises. And we see something of this in the first part of Zechariah's prophecy, which occurs before our text. As you read those verses, you can notice uh, some Exodus themes coming through in John's prophecy. Uh, Listen to these words. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed people to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to Abraham, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear. Right? Those words of John could easily be applied to the Old Testament exodus from Egypt. They fit that event like a glove. Right? God coming finally to His people, uh, redeeming them, showing the mercy promised to the fathers, to Abraham, being delivered from our enemies, that we might serve God. Exodus themes. And there are some similar similarities around uh, both events too. Right, Israel languished in slavery in Egypt for nearly 400 years before God came to them. And during all that time, they didn't hear a peep from the Lord. They had to live by faith. But suddenly, in God's good timing, He acted when He appeared to Moses. It signaled that He had come to save His people. And it's similar here with the birth of John the Baptist. Israel waited so long for God to fulfill His promises proclaimed through the prophets. They had to wait those 400 years. They had to live by faith. But here in Luke 1, God suddenly acts as He did in the book of Exodus. And there's an important reason for Exodus themes to appear in our text. It's because the Old Testament Exodus gave a picture of something. Gave a a picture of what God was going to do to save His people forever. That's why we have Exodus themes coming out here. God is showing us that the greatest Exodus was about to take place through Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, God was going to save His people from judgment on sin. 
He was going to save his people from slavery to Satan. He was going to act to redeem us from death. He was going to save us so that we, being delivered from our enemies, might serve the Lord forever without fear. And John served as a forerunner of that good news so that we might not miss it. As Zechariah prophesies here, you, child, will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And that's what John did. He came proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And when he was baptizing people near the Jordan, and at one point, the Lord Jesus came to him, and as he approached, John proclaimed to the people, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? He he was pointing to Jesus Christ. Here, through those words, he's giving God's people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, pointing them to the Lamb of God. Hey, everyone, here is God's chosen Lamb. By His sacrifice, your sins will be forgiven. They will be removed. You will be saved. Look at Him. In Him there is salvation. And indeed, Jesus Christ is that Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as John the Baptist proclaimed. And that, of course, is another reference to the Exodus. Right through the Passover lamb, God works salvation for Israel from Egypt. Right through the, the blood of that Passover lamb, the judgment that came upon the land did not touch the Israelites. And that Old Testament Passover lamb pointed to the great Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, God works eternal salvation for His people and the forgiveness of our sins. The good news is that salvation is not limited to one group of people, right? In the Old Testament, it was largely limited to the people of Israel. In the book of Exodus, the Lord made a distinction between Egypt and Israel. But with the coming of Christ, that distinction was removed forever. Forever. God's salvation in Christ is available for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're an Egyptian, an Israelite, a Canadian. This salvation is for all who believe. As we hear in Romans 3, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no distinction between the peoples. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that message of salvation is also proclaimed to us in the Lord's Supper this morning. Here we see a picture of the the Lamb of God led to the slaughter for our sakes. Here we see the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and our sins too. And as you partake in the Lord's Supper, believe in Him. Your sins are 
taken away through Christ, in Christ. They've been removed. And in Christ Jesus, God no longer counts our sins against us. Brings us to our last point. Zechariah then ends his prophecy like this. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Right? The coming of Christ here is pictured as the dawn of a new day. After such a long, dark night, the sun eventually comes and gives light to all the world. And that's what the coming of Christ is like. He shines like the beautiful sunlight on people who were sitting in darkness for so long. And in Scripture, in the Bible, a sitting in darkness describes people who are, who are without hope. You know, people without the truth. People without eternal life. People who are stuck in the misery of sin and suffering without any Savior. But to those who sit in that darkness, Christ shines on us with His gospel. Because by His coming, He's brought us hope. Sure hope. He's, he's proclaimed the truth. He's given us life. He's given us salvation. Right? By His redeeming work, He's, to, he's changed everything for us who believe. Although we are in this broken world, we, we need never despair. We need never be afraid. Christ has changed everything by giving us eternal life. This dark world will be no more eventually. We will always live in the light of life. The change Christ has brought is the difference between night and day, even though at present we still suffer here. I mean, Zechariah prophesies that Christ would come to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and also to guide our feet into the way of peace. Right? Those who once sat in the gloom of darkness without a hope now find themselves walking with purpose and joy, and that is us, beloved. Christ guides us as our shepherd. He gives us new minds, new hearts, new hope, a new way of life. Guides us into the way of peace. It means he brings us into a state of, of wholeness, of flourishing, of contentment, and also peace with God. You know, we see this theme of peace popping up in several places in Luke's gospel. I think of the next chapter, Luke 2. The angel told the shepherds of Christ's birth, and then the choir of angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on, on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased. Or also in Luke 2, when Jesus was presented at the temple after His birth, Simeon held the Christ in His arms, and He said, Lord, now You are letting Your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. 
In Luke 7, a sinful woman came to Jesus, wet his feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair, and Jesus assured this sinful woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Finally, in Luke 24, the resurrected Lord Jesus appeared to his disciples, and he simply said, peace be to you. This is the peace we have with God in Christ. This is the peace Christ leaves us in this world. He says, yes, in this world you will experience turmoil and suffering. You will experience trouble. But I have overcome the world. So even though we stand in the turmoil of this world now, we can still enjoy the peace of Christ as guide us into also as we look forward to eternal rest. Amen. Let's now sing together in response to the preaching of God's Word, a hymn based on Zechariah's prophecy. Let's sing hymn 18, stanzas 1 and 2. <laughs>